The views, statements and opinions expressed in this episode are solely our own, including our guest, and these do not necessarily represent those of our employers. And I'm Vigi Tharin. Welcome to our podcast, Diversity and Inclusion, Satisfying Tip Box. In today's episode, we're going to cover trans inclusion. So trans inclusion is the active effort to ensure equal participation and acceptance of transgender individuals in all aspects of society. And we have a very special guest in today's episode. We've got Jack Matthews, who's going to share her lived experience with us and help us understand trans inclusion. Welcome to you, Jack. Can you give us a quick introduction to yourself? Yeah, sure. Hi, um, my name's Jack. Um, my pronouns are she, her, and I am a trans woman. Um, I work in diversity, equity and inclusion in my day job. Um, and I also am part of my company's LGBTQ plus network, um, where I am the deputy co-chair and I also do a lot of um, volunteering in the LGBT community outside of work as well. That's amazing so I think it would be good to hear a bit about your personal journey of discovering and understanding your transgender identity. Yeah um, so it's kind of a long confusing one really if I'm being honest. Um, I when people ask you know how did you come to sort of realize you were trans it's often a a difficult question because when you first start to realize these things a lot of people don't necessarily have the the right language to articulate what it is that they're feeling about themselves and what they understand about their body because like it's very different now where we have a lot of language around that and it's a lot more available and people to a degree understand it a little better Um, So for me, it was quite difficult because I didn't understand what it was that felt different. Um, At first, I didn't have the right words. And unfortunately for me, I grew up at a time where the internet was at my fingertips, but adults didn't really necessarily understand how to filter it. So I perhaps learned the wrong words at first to understand myself. And so that took me a little bit longer. And so when I first looked at trying to come out, I was actually in my teens and I didn't really have the best experience so I ended up going a bit back into the closet and trying to suppress that side of myself and it took me until I was in my 30s early 30s to sort of begin to accept myself and actually look around me and go I feel in a safe and comfortable environment. Yeah 100% I think the internet plays a massive role doesn't it so um, completely completely get that. How did you kind of navigate coming out to your um friends and family were there any kind of reactions that you weren't expecting or anything like that yeah I wouldn't say that there were reactions that I wasn't expecting but situations that I perhaps didn't handle the best and that led to worse reactions because of that I have a very distant relationship with a lot of my family so with some of them I did not handle it very well in that I did not give them the respect of telling them directly myself. I decided rather than carry on waiting for seeing them face to face and explaining things to them, I was like, I need to start living authentically as myself. And I am quite active on things like social media. And so 
what ended up happening is some people who are friends of my family ended up seeing posts on social media and then telling some of my family members, including like very close immediate family members, which perhaps in hindsight was not the best way to approach that. Um, but it was just kind of, I had a distant relationship with them. So we didn't speak. And I was like, you know, that probably wasn't the most appropriate way for that to end up happening. And, you know, I, I got to have proper conversations with them in time, but it essentially forced my hand. And I don't necessarily fully accept the blame in that space. I know I made a stupid mistake there, but actually that person didn't know whether I was out to people or not and made the choice of actively putting it in front of them um, because I did not have family on social media. This was someone disconnected to my family who I kind of forgot existed really. And they deliberately spoke to my family about that. that. And I was like, that was deliberately being outed. So it wasn't a really great experience. But in terms of how I handled it, when I was in more control of the situation, I started off with close friends, people that I trusted, people I knew understood, and then built out from there as I gained more confidence. Like for the longest time while I was still working through unpicking my past trauma and understanding who I was, my partner was my rock. Um, my partner was very safe and secure in their gender identity and understood the topic around it as someone who is non-binary and came at things from a very mature and level-headed approach and they gave me the space to really think through and unpick the stuff I was struggling with and then as I built confidence with my safe people I started telling people that I considered like my gamble people people I was scared of losing from my life and so the the family members that I was actually still close to um, my boss at work my wider colleagues at work um, friends whose opinions I wasn't necessarily sure of and I was like oh god what if they are a turf or what if they um, are transphobic how am I going to cope with that and eventually I got to a point where I wasn't scared of those interactions anymore because I had such a strong support network of people around me that I was like you know what if I lose one or two people from my life what does that mean anymore I know I have a group of amazing people around me that make me feel secure in being authentically who I am. Thank you so much, uh, Jack, for sharing that. That's uh, quite personal. And uh, I wanted to know then, in terms of, you know, misconceptions or stereotypes about trans transgender individuals, are, are there any that you would like to address or debunk? Yeah, the biggest one is often conflating gender identity with sexuality and sexual orientation they're very much not the same thing they can be linked they're not but they're not the same you know a lot of people model those things together people think oh you're changing your gender therefore your sexuality is going to change no that's absolutely not necessarily the case and also the biggest thing that I think is more like toxic perception that is being portrayed in the media is around trans people trying to invade the opposite gender spaces and a lot of that attention is largely tends to be focused in on trans feminine people and saying that it's men trying to invade women's spaces and especially when it comes to the debates around bathrooms and all that sort of thing and I find it mind-boggling that people try and fixate in on that issue because I'm like how 
how can you conflate the desire of someone to just literally go to the toilet in a safe environment with them being a threat? It's nonsense. You know, I am very much a person that just wants to go and pee in peace and then leave. That that's all that's going on there. And I think there's a lot of sensationalism around the topic that is largely fueled by ignorance and also fear of change. And I understand where it's coming from, but the sensationalism that has been whipped up around it is, frankly, it's got to the point where it's got ridiculous. It's so hyper-inflated and it's such a vocal minority group that are holding this opinion. Um, But their voices are being amplified at this current time by the media, which is then leading to a ripple effect going outwards in terms of actually that that very small group is having the ability to influence a broad pool of people because their their views are being disproportionately shared. Yeah, I think like what you were saying about the media, um, I think it's so prevalent today, isn't it? You just it's it's everywhere. And I think it's, it's just unfair at the end of the day, like. Like you said, you just want to pee in peace, to be honest. Like it's it's really not too much to ask for. Um, so yeah, I, I completely completely get that. Um what um what are the importance of pronouns to support um trans colleagues and why is it kind of important to have those pronouns in things like email signatures or on Slack or Zoom, things like that? Yeah, so I always describe putting your pronouns into your signatures as like the first baby step of allyship it is the minimum effort you can put in to have the maximum impact um, it's not hard it's a one and done thing you know it takes seconds to update your signature seconds to add them into things like linkedin instagram slack whatever it's and you never have to think about it or do it again but actually what you're telegraphing in doing that from an ally perspective is i will respect you and your identity and I will be trying my best not to misgender you Um, because it's not to say that you're going to be perfect it's not to say that you're not going to make mistakes we're all human we mess up but what it shows by doing that is actually you understand that whilst it may not be important to you as an individual you know it's important to some people and that it can have an impact on their lives and it also is a step beyond going, I'm going to assume your gender identity based on how your voice sounds or how you look visually when I see you. Because it's not just trans people that that impacts it also, it's non-binary people too, right? You cannot assume someone's gender based on their outward appearance. And so taking that baseline step which is absolutely like minimal effort. You could update every social, every platform that you have probably in 10 minutes total. And then you never have to do it again. It's like, it's the absolute bare minimum that people can do to show that they care. Totally agree with you, Jack. And I think it leads nicely into understanding, you know, what is the appropriate language that we should all be using? Is there any sort of language that needs to be avoided? Can you give us any examples of where someone might use like the wrong language? Yeah, so there are some examples where it's just best practice to try and avoid. Like when you don't know someone, use gender neutral language. You know, singular they outdates the word you. 
um, in terms of how long it's been around. So like when you get the crowd of people saying that they is for plural, um, not for singular, actually they're factually incorrect. Um, and we just need to normalize using gender neutral terms. You know, there is no need to use terms like waiter, waitress, um, actor, actress, like actually let's just stick with one gender neutral variant of things. And it's trying to move away from aggressively gendered language. And some people have conflicting opinions on this. Like there's one example that is my most common slip up and I try and not do it, but actually it's because it doesn't bother me. And that example that a lot of people use is using the word guys to refer to a generic group of people. That's gendered language that that implies mas masculinity. But and some people, um, and that is often trans feminine people are disproportionately impacted by something that seems like quite an innocuous word but it can be very um you know a big cause of a spike of dysphoria um for that individual it doesn't impact me in the same way but i also understand that there are certain things that bother me more depending on who it comes from so if i have a situation where someone uses othering language that is perhaps a cis male I might be more offended by that than if, say, someone from within the LGBTQ plus community uses it. Um, because I have my own biases in that space where I might go, that person who has caused this reaction in me is less likely to have done it deliberately or with malice. And it's more likely to be a slip of the tongue. And that's not fair of me to make that assumption, but it's actually a defense mechanism that's been built up over time um, because there is a slightly inaccurate assumption that people within the same community as me are less likely to be doing something with malice. And so when it comes to what language you shouldn't, shouldn't use, I can't give broad blanket statements for everyone because everyone's perspective is so different and what might be hurtful to one person is not necessarily hurtful to another. So all you can do is try and use neutral language when it comes to gender as much as you can. And then once you know what someone's preferences is, honor that. So if someone says, hey, can you not use that word around me or to refer to me? You just say, yes, okay, I will do that. And that's the real secret to it is respect individuals' preferences. You know, some people will have very specific things that are quite triggering for them, and that's okay. And you just have to learn to adapt to that that person. It's being person centric that really matters. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think there's so much language, like the phrases that you just mentioned, that are so ingrained in us because we've just used them for however long. And I think it's now got to a point where we just need to be more self aware with kind of what we're saying to to people. Um, couldn't agree more so we're just gonna kind of move into the the workplace aspect so um you mentioned allies and the importance of that so what how important is allyship um for those who are trans i would say allyship means the world in short it is one of the most powerful things that you can do in your workplace because it's not just any one marginalized group that benefits from it. It's, it's all of them. And when you start learning how to be a better ally and being able to get 
behind people that don't have the same lived experiences as you and understand where they are struggling you can then be that person that steps in and causes change to happen that is positive for them whether that is the really basic stuff of when you see something happen to someone going and checking in with them and making sure they're okay that's allyship and is hugely impactful to that individual when you have situations where you see something bad happen and you call it out and you might be a person because you've called it out the person who did it might be more likely to listen to you as not the individual that was impacted because sometimes when it comes from the person people make the assumption oh they're just being defensive so that's where you have the opportunity um, to impact that and also when it comes to causing like broader systemic change when you have a loud ally community saying we are not okay with this group of people being disadvantaged, whether that is being discriminated against, whether it's a process that sometimes leaves them out or they're forgotten or impacts them differently. Sometimes when a, a minority group say, hey, this doesn't work for us and this isn't fair, it can it's easy to ignore. But when allies are going, hey, we're not okay with this, they're the majority population. And when the majority population all lend their shared voice towards a minority group that's when you see change and it is so powerful and at the moment you know the trans community are a minority group of a minority group you know they are a minority within the lgbtq plus umbrella who are receiving disproportionate hate right now across the world so allyship towards that community is so much more powerful and so much more important than at any other time and so absolutely, the, and never underestimate the, the impact that you can have. It doesn't matter about, do you have the power to create global systemic change? As long as you can change how one person feels, you have achieved everything that you need to as an ally. You know, if you have just stepped in and made one person feel better, one person feel safe, change something for one person, even if that is just making them smile after having a bad experience you've won that allyship and if you can carry on that throughout your life beyond that point and don't just stop at one community you know but learn how to be an ally in all areas you know call out sexism um call out racism call out any form of discrimination you know advocate for better accessibility for disabled people and things like that like do all of those things you know, you have to pick somewhere to start and it's all a journey, but we all should be doing this as part of our everyday. 100%. I think um, something that came to mind whilst listening to you speak was around um, kind of employee resource groups at work. So I think uh, there's a, a misconception around you have to identify with that group to be able to join it when that's the complete opposite of actually the case where... Um, we need more allies involved in groups like this to kind of shout it from the rooftops and um, yeah, I guess just get, just getting involved really. You're absolutely right. Like employee resource groups are powerful, especially when you have a engaged and mobilized population that are part of that and any organization that wants to drive a diversity and inclusion agenda that isn't, 
heartily engaging their employee resource groups and having them involved in the conversations and the discussion is missing a trick. And yes, absolutely, there is need for allies in that space. Because if you're a small organization, rather than like some big employer with, you know, hundreds of thousands of employees, um, odds are your minority groups are precisely that, a minority. They There may only be, you know, in the tens of a specific marginalized group in your organization. And that's where allies become essential because the burden should not be on the community um, that is marginalized to do all the work. Um, so allies become essential in that space. So absolutely, allies get involved in your ERGs, in your organizations, because you can be that powerful advocate for change and lift some of the burden off the shoulders of people that are being pushed down. That is so true, uh, Jack. And also in terms of ERGs, it's uh, it's one way that uh, employees find their, their belonging as well to an organization. What I wanted to ask you is uh, how important is workplace inclusivity and acceptance uh, for transgender employees? Is there any steps that employees can take to create an inclusive environment? It is incredibly important. And we wouldn't be having this conversation if it wasn't because it suddenly becomes a thing that you just don't need to talk about if it's not relevant. And in terms of what steps you can take is look around you. Do you see that? Is there perhaps an ERG that you're not involved in? Or if there isn't one for that community, should there be one? And that's not me advocating saying that, you know, if you've got an LGBTQ plus ERG and splitting off and having a separate one for like trans, non-binary and gender non-conforming people, that's absolutely not what I'm suggesting. But it's like, if there's no ERG in that space at all, try and help get one set up. If you see lunch and learns being done in your organization around the subject, attend them, educate yourself and educate yourself outside of it. And if they're not being done by your organization, ask for them and loudly and repeatedly and don't get go away until you've been listened to. If you have policies and guidance documents that don't accommodate um, the diversity of people's needs, again, bang the drum for that change. And if you're confident enough to and you understand the topic enough, uh, take the approach of ask for forgiveness, not permission, and just start doing stuff. Um, because that's all it takes is one person to start doing something to get the ball, ball rolling. It's like that avalanche effect. It doesn't need a big action. It just needs a small action. And if you can get someone else to do a small action, that's two people. And then if that person and you go off again, you've got four and so on. You know, that's how you build a movement and sustain a movement. It's just start doing stuff and try and persuade other people to start doing stuff with you. Totally agree with you there, Jack. And I do love this quote, be the change that you want to see in this world. So go out there. If you want to create change, go out there and do it. I want to ask you, in terms of managers, so leaders or HR, how could they support people who are transitioning? So that's a big one. Like, I think if someone is, who is transitioning in the workplace rather than someone who is trans in the workplace as a distinction there, so if someone who is coming out and going through that process for the first time in your organization, the manager plays a really, really strong role. And that is, you may have policies, you may have guidance document 
but be intelligent and be a good manager and learn when to ignore that. Be person-centered, respect that not all journeys look the same. Some people dabble, some people will go up, um, go big or go home. Sometimes progress will be at a snail's pace. Sometimes they'll want to run and that's okay. And just let them go at the pace that they feel comfortable with. Do not try and pressure them. And do not try and think that you're being that positive cheerleader going, we can do things faster. Come on, let's go. Let's run. Because actually that's toxic positivity and can be really intimidating and can make someone shut down. Let them guide the process. You are there to support and facilitate it. And the same goes for HR as well. Like let the person drive the process. You have things that, that are boxes that you may need to tick off but let that person guide how and when and what pace they happen at. And all people that are involved in as stakeholders in those processes is do your best to make it as easy and accessible as possible for people. If that's HR, make it easier for the manager and the individual. If you're the manager, make it easier for the individual. Um, you know, if you're another stakeholder in that process, be very clear and transparent with other people that are guiding that process of what they need to do, how and when, because it should not be on the transitioning person to have to do all that legwork to find out what needs to happen. That is a common thing that happens in most organizations. You know, if you need to update all your IT systems, suddenly it's the individual that has to go off and try and find out all the different things to get rid of their dead name if they have one. And that is emotionally exhausting. And if they don't know what all of those things could be, they might get the, the whiplash effect of two years down the line, they find an, a system that they didn't know about coming along and dead naming them. And that is really hurtful. So, you know, everyone has a part to play in it and it's all about making it as easy and smooth as possible. But for HR and managers, the biggest part is letting that individual do it at their pace in the easiest way possible. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think you mentioned a bit about policies at work and what are your kind of thoughts around the policies and the language being more inclusive for trans colleagues? So, for example, um, family leave policies, do you think there needs to be, I guess you spoke about less gendered language, but specifically to the kind of things like maternity and paternity, um, what are your thoughts around that? So th this is a, an interesting and complicated one because... When it comes to maternity and paternity leave and parental leave, those are in the UK at least specific types of statutory leave. So those words, when referenced to the statutory leave, are important to still stay intact if you are talking about the statutory elements of stuff to articulate what leave you are talking about because it impacts things like pay, you know, like statutory paternity statutory maternity those are specific things but actually the policy and guidance that sits around it there is no need to be using those gendered language because actually trans parents exist they are a thing um so to try and pretend that they do not exist is a logical fa fallacy like non-binary parents exist um you know people that sit outside of that binary gender do have children and so therefore they need to be included too so I'm a firm advocate 
of updating language that is used as much as possible while still being clear when it comes to legal or statutory aspects where sometimes, yeah, you might not be able to change that language in the same way. Sometimes you do have to be quite clear and go, nope, this is all we have the space to talk about. Thank you, Jack, for sharing that insight. And um, we are nearing the end of the episode and we always ask um, all our, our, our guests one key takeaway. So what would be your key takeaway for our listeners? I would say take some time, pause and reflect on the world around you and ask yourself, what is the one thing I can do today to impact someone else in a positive way? and do it and if you can start doing that once a day every day you're going to start seeing the world around you change faster than you might have otherwise thought thank you so much jack and jack i'd like to just take a moment to say you're an inspiration and thank you so much for coming on our podcast it's been great having you to share your own experience with us and raising awareness about trans inclusion and um, at this moment, as, as we're going to conclude, I also like to take a, a moment to give a big shout out to Heather McDonald, who introduced me to Jack. So, Heather, if you're listening to this, thank you, my friend. I also wanted to say thank you um, for sharing your powerful story and insights. I think we all really need to do our best to support our transgender community. And yeah, everything you've said is just so important. And thank you to our listeners as well for joining us this week. So please make sure you're following our podcast on Spotify. And we've now got a YouTube, so feel free to follow that as well. Give it a rating and review on Spotify. Thank you. Keep your eyes peeled for our next guest and episode will be dropping next month. Thank you again. And we'll see you next time on Diversity and Inclusion. Satisfying the tick box.